Welcome to Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. Merging sacred sexuality, spirituality, and soul with truth, love, wisdom, and beauty. I'm your host, Elise Carr. Are you ready to come journey with me? Hi, stunning souls, and welcome to Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. I'm your host, Elise Carr. It's a joy to share today with you, as always, as I'm sure you've heard me say maybe once before, if you're returning, which is wonderful. Thank you for coming back and sharing this journey. If it's your first time to tune in, it's amazing to have you here. I'd like to think today is really going to speak to you. And don't forget, there's plenty of other episodes that cover a myriad of topics that may also resonate with you, or even those you care about. You might want to forward it on to them. Now, as always, I can't cover every aspect of these topics. They're so beautiful and multifaceted, just like you, my friend. So keep that in mind. If you are seeking specialized, personalized, and much more bespoke, in-depth connection and guidance along your path, however that looks for you, whether it relates to today's topic or not, please reach out to me at elise at stellamuse.com so we can explore one-on-one sacred guidance sessions catering entirely to you. But today, I want to talk to you about change. It's not something we all love. How surprising. (laughs) And there's aspects to this. There's the fear and the beauty, as I'm going to break it down to those two components. Now, when it comes to change, we all relate differently. Some of us embrace it, thrive on it, seek it almost like a fix of a drug, Or we might like to mix things up and keep ourselves on our toes. So therefore, we also really do embrace change. Leaning into the precipice of life and challenging our capacity and capabilities. On the other end of this spectrum, however, are those of us who actually fear change. Who like things how we like them. And if we could stay the same forever in our little changeless bubble, we'd love it. Mm, Somewhat. As I explain to my clients and with each of their unique journeys and experiences of change, the tricky thing is we're here to change and thus evolve physically, emotionally, mentally, and essentially spiritually from our body's capabilities at infancy to full development at adulthood, from our ability to express and then explore emotions right up to self-regulating our emotions to our mind learning, growing and expanding, our way of life changes. Where we live, how we live, the relationships we have, the food we like, the clothes we wear, how we spend our days and spare time, what we read, watch and listen to, or how we read, watch and listen to content, what we value even, likely will all change over time too. But why do some of us struggle with change, big or small? like the end of a relationship, accepting we can't be with someone, even if it is our choice or it is theirs, that a job has ended or our entire career is over and now we face a new chapter of life, that we have to leave a place we love and move elsewhere. And then there is change in health or the experience of a loved one dying or life with a new baby. What is clear when we look at change and how we experience it is that if we aren't on or closer to the embracing end of the spectrum, 
we're likely creating fear instead. And this brings with it many challenges. So let's look at fear when change is in the air. And then we're going to look at beauty of when we shift from fear to a state of acceptance and even joy or, let's be wild, enthusiasm. So fear. Have you ever heard that what we resist persists? Ever wondered why we resist? The emotion of fear, that sense of not knowing or anticipating the worst outcome, can keep us from not only experiencing, but even keep us from not living life to its fullest and to our full potential. Too afraid to make a decision, too scared to let go, too frightened to change in case, oh, insert those million what-ifs that run through your mind. You find yourself paralysed by fear and thus in a stasis, a holding pattern where you are neither here nor there, just stuck, waiting or wishing, hoping or praying. Things will miraculously be taken care of and you won't have to change or it won't be scary or hurt or sad and painful or you don't have to make the big decision as God, goddess, universal source, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it, will gracefully step in and smooth the path for you. While a path may clear, it is not always to be what you want and how you want it, but more so what you need. Though, when you open your eye, mind and heart, you can awaken to realise that what you need is what you truly want after all. It's just breaking through the fear barrier to reach that point of realisation in the first place. Which, I know, isn't easy for everyone, as what you don't know can be scary, right? Changes bring the potential of a lot of unknowns. And it's here that many people can find themselves acting irrationally and unconsciously to do all they can to prevent change and stay as they are in stasis, while making their life unnecessarily hard, problematic or painful for themselves and sometimes for others around them as well. Almost like holding on to a vision of reality or a story you want so much to be true that you delude yourself to what is really going on and fight to keep your story alive and valid. I wanted to share this concept of holding on to your story or your vision of reality because this is when you grip tightly to your version of how you want things and believe they should be and consequently refusing to move forward and embrace what change is bringing to your life. I've witnessed this with clients who aren't ready to accept change in their life, such as a long-term relationship which has reached its ending. They revolve their life around the pursuit of getting the person back and doing everything in their day-to-day with this as the key goal, instead of seeing the potential for a fresh start, the prospect of a new, perhaps more aligned relationship with another, naturally in time and indeed after grieving and healing. I've seen others resist the change that a life relocation brings with it, where the new country or city they live in is not like where they're from. So they fight against the differences, complain and compare and live almost as if they're still elsewhere instead of embracing the changes that the new place they call home offers and feeling a sense of joy in where they are in this moment of their life. Often, in these cases, 
I've seen that for these people, the past memories or what they've created as memories are more beautiful versions of reality than the present or the prospect of the greater unknown future. Though this past version they hold onto is also often glamorized, idealized, or exaggerated. Some people think their last partner was the only one for them, that there isn't another person, that they were the great love, the twin flame, that no one is even going to compare. They can't even imagine themselves with someone else. In that moment, that might be their story. For others, that this place, this job, this way isn't like it was before and can't compare to where they're from or what they did before or where they were before. It is here they project excuses to make sure they can keep hold of this version of reality, this story they have told themselves, and thus perpetuating their stasis and fear of what is coming. In this pattern, they cause more damage to themselves and create more pain as their inability to embrace the change perpetuates their false story and thoughts in their mind, which affect their emotions and the pain they feel And thus their behaviour mirrors this. Like I mentioned before, it might even be irrational. And consequently, they don't act in their own best interest. I've witnessed this with clients who come to me with what they're experiencing as a heartache, a loss, an ending, a crossroads or a deep pain, whatever it is for them. When it's partly something that they have not been helped to grieve And partly saying they've not yet had the vision and conscious awareness to see with clarity that they are creating this fear for themselves. That they're holding on to their story is creating the self-torment. That by even looking at all the potential options of what may be from where they are now, they can dissipate some of the fear. Now this is an intricate and unique process for each individual. And I'm saying that you're going through How we'd work on that together is completely different to how I'd perhaps have helped someone yesterday. But the outcomes can all be the same. That fear can eventually be minimised and the acceptance of change can come to the fore, creating space and opening them, or let's say you, up to embrace the entirety of the change. The grand paradox of fearing change is that While you are fighting against this uncertainty with all your might, you do have the abilities and skill to change and evolve. Evolution is part of life. But this doesn't sit with a brain that is hardwired to prefer a predictable negative outcome over one that is uncertain. Uncertainty? Oh, no thank you. I'll just stay here in my fearful holding pattern, gripping to the edge of the swimming pool until my hands go numb before I dare let go and swim across to the other side. Oh, if I make it. But imagine if you embraced the malleability, the neuroplasticity of the brain and the capability of the mind to embrace change. We can be trained and we can train ourselves to adapt and accept or even thrive and find joy in change. When we hold on to our own story, we don't have space to look at options, to even willingly hear that this situation we're in can be different. Only believing your version of the story, or only agreeing with the same view shared by others, limits you and keeps you in that stasis of fear. 
So you need also to be careful that you don't only stick to what you think you know to be true and only listening to those who agree with you and your view. Those who validate you staying in this same fear loop. If you discount conflicting information as it doesn't fit with your preconceived belief, story or potentially your bias, you may miss out on seeing more truth. Some people even attack the possibility of change as they think they know better and have friends or family and online or in-person group who back them up. They're validated. It must be right. Oh, not necessarily, my friends. We want to open and expand both our minds and hearts in this life. That means when you're seeking guidance when it comes to change, be open to a totally different approach, view, or way of navigating this precipice you stand before. Often, holding a narrow, black and white view of a situation causes more pain than the situation itself. As with time and constantly feeding this rigid belief, it almost takes on a dramatised life of its own, and nothing anyone says or does can penetrate through. If we can open to more than one way of seeing anything, even our tiny microcosm world, and how we fit in, we can open our mind and heart to other potential ways of doing things, of healing, of seeing reality, of living and embracing the inevitable change that comes with life. Now, some analysis shows us that change evolves in four stages. There's anticipation, regression, breakthrough, and consolidation. So I wanted to share these with you. Let's look at anticipation. For some, this is the exciting stage of change Here, you're likely to anticipate the benefits of the change and make your plans for the transformation. The other end of this is the dread of what is possible, what may happen, could happen, will happen, all of which can begin to bubble up. As you may be aware by now, the brain likes certainty. Your hunger for certainty and certain outcomes is part of a key brain function. And for your interest, you may also like to know key functions of the mind are those being thoughts, feelings, and desires. So connecting aspects of these brain and mind functions makes sense that the brain avoids uncertainty as the mind associates it with the feelings of pain. This is likely a flashing warning light that is picked up by the limbic system of the brain. In this state, the brain thinks something is wrong. And it then focuses its attention on this and not other issues or areas. Thus, that story your mind then creates and holds onto begins to gain traction. And you start to feed that story with more thoughts while fighting in fear of any form of pain arising. This takes us to the next phase, regression. Things may well get worse before they get better. Like a cha-cha step. It's forwards, backwards and two steps on the spot. This is usually where the fear amplifies. Not knowing if what you are moving toward will be better than where you are or what you are experiencing now. The doubt, the worry, anxiety, sleepless nights, questions, etc. all come up at this time. The fear thus is coming up. 
Some take the feel it and do it anyway approach. Some tread water doing the cha-cha in their holding pattern and holding on to their story. And some are frozen with the fear of failure. So let's take failure for a moment. We could look at this from a different perspective of how the fear of failing or failure comes into play. Some people fear failing or feel as though if they accept this change or the new reality, it will be a failure on their part. But what if, instead of failure, we view this and what brought you here as attempts that were practices, life lessons learnt, intel giving, taste testers of what wasn't for you, all instead of failure? Just a giving it your all, and trying your best as you chip away at making your way there. I've actually never used the word fail or failure, not within myself, not in dealing with clients or anyone. I see you and I and all of humanity as masterpieces in progress, refining our skills with each choice we make, changing, adapting, evolving as we go along moving closer to who and what we really are. I happen to see that as souls, having a human experience, here to be of service in whatever unique way we're here to. You can't fail. What if that was your new truth? You can't fail. You can only seize an opportunity, try it on, and embrace the offering, the lessons, the growth, the knowledge and the wisdom that it brings upon the way of this school of life. Or you miss the opportunity and stay in fear as the rest of life waits for no one. And now with this fear of failure can also come self-doubt and the seeking of validation. Anyone, please tell me I'm doing the right thing. Am I doing the right thing? Asking others for their opinions, thoughts, and especially approval before making your decision has its place, but can also go too far. There is indeed merit in seeking counsel and guidance at times, and it's often very helpful with the right person guiding or helping you. But the person, practitioner, family member or friend is not there to make the choice for you. Neither are they there to tell you what to do. Instead, They may give you a different perspective, offer you some insight or some more information. Maybe just be a non-judgmental, supportive sounding board for your challenges and questions. Or if qualified, perhaps help you navigate the other layers to your fear, such as breaking old habits, patterns and addictions, or healing from the pain or trauma associated first. But... At the end of the day, the choice is always yours. There is no bypassing the work. There is no getting someone else to do the challenging part for you. That, my friend, is part of your growth. And you need to be the one to take that bold, beautiful and sometimes life-changing step into the mysterious unknown. And then there's isolation. In this phase, there are times when being alone is exactly what you need. To go within, reflect, connect to your higher self and reach a point where you are ready to make a choice. 
other times, isolating yourself may not serve you. And being around others who can support, guide, listen and help is best. Choose what is right for you. And then ensure you look at all your options. As I touched on when it comes to holding too tightly to your personal story, you might want to ask yourself, is my situation really black and white? Stay or go, yes or no, do or don't do. Are there other ways, approaches, compromises I can make? What are all my options? Can I sit with each of them, feel into, forecast, and think them over before making the change or changes that are for my best interest and the greater good? And then we have breakthrough. When you finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, when you've grieved, healed, opened your mind and heart and done the work to take the leap, knowing you will fall or fly, but that you must take the chance, make the choice, commit and go for it, whatever that may be, however that may look. Also, knowing whatever the outcome, there is no failure, only a lesson learnt and an opportunity gained. And then we reach consolidation. When you alchemize the benefits of change into a new way of life or way of doing things, this is the adaptation time. It's new, it's different, it may or may not be what you thought, expected, feared or envisaged, but here you are. So you're working with it, maybe even embracing it, finding calm, peace or joy. Heck, maybe you're even enthusiastic about it now, it's finally here and the worrying or fear was for nothing or at least it's now behind you. Now let's look at beauty the beauty that can come with change. As with any process of transformation, there is an ending and a new beginning. In hindsight, we can say the entire process is an act of beauty, for it creates harmony. Though it only reached that place of harmony and balance through tension, chaos and conflict, all of which may well have forced you to change, Nonetheless, whether we see the entire cycle of life, death and rebirth as beautiful or we only see this new life as beautiful, the beauty is there if we open to it. So not only is change inevitable, it brings with it the gift of new beginnings. Fresh ways of life, renewal, revitalization, and rebirth. Authentic change is not just evolutionary, it's revolutionary. Be that a revolution of rebirth within your very self, how you see things, how you do things, or the world in which you live. Ideally, you embrace all. If you take the approach of mental balance and well-being, you can see how traditional psychology of the West and Buddhism of the East agree with embracing impermanence. On the surface, it is because embracing impermanence helps counterbalance the constant upsetting thoughts and fearful talk going through your mind, or what we call rumination. But on a deeper level, why impermanence exactly? Well, this is something I've talked on before in other episodes, but impermanence teaches us that nothing lasts forever. 
It's impermanent, right? The word tells us this. All is ever-changing. The Vedic astrologers talk of the node Rahu, which brings a phase that we all go through at some point in our lives, specifically to teach us this lesson, that nothing is permanent. It may interest you to find when or if you've already gone through this phase of Rahu. Perhaps you could then observe or prepare yourself. Impermanence tells you that you can't grasp at and hold on to an emotion any more that you can grasp and hold on to water without it slipping through your fingers. It will eventually slip through and thus bring change. The beauty here is in the fact that emotions are impermanent. It is only your fear and resistance to change that vies to grasp and hold on for dear life, everything staying the same that keeps you in stasis. Even if that staying in the same is painful, physically, emotionally or mentally, many of us actually still prefer to stay. Isn't that crazy? As creatures of habit, we like consistency after all. So better the familiar comfort of discomfort than something we can't predict. When you have moved through this, challenging your own pain threshold at times, you can reach new ground. It is in reaching a place of acceptance that is the key here in order to see the beauty in your self-created chaos. Ah, acceptance. You accept what you cannot change and change what you can. Sound familiar? While you cannot control what may happen, When change sweeps in, you can learn to control your emotions, the way you react, right? Now, I promise you this is true. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is true. When the emotions are calmer, your reactions are calmer. In fact, they can even become responses, not uncontrolled reactions. So here you'd be feeling less stress, less upset, less reacting and more responding, What also helps greatly is when you bring the mind into this and balance that with the heart and emotions. For a calm mind, that slowing down of the chitter-chatter thoughts has a soothing follow-on effect with the emotions. If you don't feed the emotional body with fearful, worrying, scary thoughts, it has no fuel to arc up and react in stressful, fearful ways. So... If you can first calm the mind, you can then calm the emotions, what we call the emotional or astral body, and thus calm your physical body. Simple? Logical? Yes. Easy? Not always. But that's okay, because I've got you. The beauty of a calm mind can be worked on in two ways. One, you can slow the thoughts down. Too many tabs open in the mind is only going to burn you out and stress you out. Slow down. Take a pause. Take a moment to regroup and realign. There is nothing more widely spoken of and used as a tool to aid this than with meditation. Whatever style you can find that works for you, find it and explore practicing. This may even start initially as stepping away from devices and screens, closing your eyes and holding the vision or image of a luminous heart or 
an open, bright flower in full bloom. Or maybe a flickering candle flame. And holding this vision, this image in your mind. When other thoughts, ideas, plans or disruptions come in, gently bring your awareness back to that vision, that image of the heart, the flower or the flame. This takes practice. It is actually helping you work towards the art of concentration. Technically, a preparatory approach to authentic meditation. And it will help you slow the thoughts and bring some calm to your likely overstimulated mind. And then number two, we can slow and calm the breath. Samavriti pranayama or pranayama is what it's called in Sanskrit. And what we in the West have called box breathing. Not quite as exciting or exotic, is it? But this is a soothing, simple breath to help ease you to a more peaceful, yet centred, aware and conscious state. It is ideal for any one of us, especially those with anxiety or who feel stressed or upset when I've worked with them, have noticed a difference with this technique. And it's often done with a four, 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 four count. That is an inhale for four, a pause for four, an exhale for four, and a pause for four. I teach and guide clients through this and suggest it be a tool used at any point, morning, during the day when needed, or right before sleep. You can repeat a couple of times, or when you're feeling especially worried, angsty, stressed, or the fearful thoughts of change are creeping in, try 10 sets. Then sit still and try feel into and sense the calm being. Feel the beauty of your own calmed self. The fear and beauty of change is vast. We all experience this in different ways, big and small throughout life. But how we move with it, like flowing water in a stream toward the sea or ocean, makes it much smoother an experience than fighting the inevitable and creating much upset, chaos and drama in our life that isn't even necessary. You have the power to flow. You have the power to shift your experience of change from one of fear to one of beauty and rebirth if you are open, willing and ready. This may be something you already practice on your own or maybe something that the right guide or practitioner can assist you with. Each life phase brings its own changes. You can experience this as a disruption, pain and fear Or bring your mind and heart, skills and innate abilities to play and flow with this ever-evolving consciousness of life. Always remembering that you have the power to embrace less fear and more beauty of living. If today's podcast spoke to you, If you're seeking more personalised one-on-one guidance for the crossroads or the changes that are happening in your life, you're welcome to reach out to me at elise at stellamuse.com.
And if you've got a moment and you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate and review. And if you feel today's episode may really resonate with someone that you know, someone that you care about, who perhaps is going through some big changes too, then support them and send this on. We're here to help each other after all, right? That's why I absolutely get up and do this for you, because I want to help. I want to especially help open the hearts and minds of humanity. That's you and me and all of us, and we can all contribute to that in grand and small ways. And sometimes that starts with change. So until next time, please take wonderful care of you and know if you're seeking that personalised one-on-one sacred guidance, I am here for you, my friend. Just reach out. Otherwise, I'll be connecting with you real soon right here on Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. Mwah.